This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio brings you prescribed listening from our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Okay, welcome back. We now turn to our trusted contributor, John Papasturgio from the Ontario Pharmacists Association, who, by the way, is someone who employs a lot of millennials. Maybe we might want to touch on that. But what we are here to talk about is one of the facts of aging that doesn't really get a lot of attention. And that is that as we get older, the effectiveness of some medications can change. Sometimes a drug that used to help treat a condition may no longer work or it may end up actually being harmful. Stopping or reducing medications which are no longer helping is known as D prescribing. And it's a practice that's gaining popularity among healthcare providers in Ontario and around the world. We've often spoken about the importance of reviewing your medications periodically rather than just continuing to take them year after year. I'm going to give you the numbers to call with your questions about this or any other pharmaceutical issue. 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. John, welcome. Thanks for being here. Yeah, it's great to be back. And uh, you know, this this idea of deprescribing, it's something that uh, I think we've known about for a long time. I think pharmacists have dealt with it. It's now getting a lot of interest. And I think it's... Uh, you know, there's getting, we're getting more media attention around it. But the reality is there's patients out there in Ontario that are taking multiple and multiple medications. And it's extremely important to review whether those medications are still necessary. Are you having any adverse uh, reactions as a, as a result of the medications? And, uh, you know, are, you, are, your, are, every, are all the members of your healthcare team collaborating, right, to make a decision whether you need to be on them or not? And, and that's really what de-prescribing is. It's a collaborative approach to try to reduce the number of patients' medications, uh, the number of uh, medications patients are on if they're no longer necessary, right? And that's a key part. Uh, uh, we're not here to say stop taking all medications. Uh, um, it really is those medications that you may no longer need. And as uh, a person ages, a lot of things change. You know, their their renal or kidney function changes, right? So maybe a dose that you were on 10 years ago no longer applies, right? Or one of the other things I see in pharmacy all the time is patients, uh, uh, they'll come in, they've gone to see, you know, one specialist here, another specialist there, then they go into their family doctor. Uh, people are adding medication to the regimen, but no one's taking the time to think, hey, this was added seven years ago. Do we still need it? Is it something? And and the family docs a lot of times will say, you know what, I'm not going to stop because someone else added it. Maybe they added it for a very important reason and it's still there. Uh, it needs to be there still. So it's uh, it's not an easy thing to do. We're fortunate enough now. There are guidelines out actually for pharmacists and uh, for other healthcare providers that were recently published. They're there to help us kind of uh, determine or how to best take patients off medication. So I think that's been very, very useful. But it's something all our listeners, I think they should go into their pharmacy. If they have concerns about whether, you know, certain medications in the regimen, they should talk to their pharmacist about it. Uh- some, sometimes people are reluctant. Um, either last week or the week 
before. We were talking about a certain class of drugs that can be harmful to older people, benzodiazepines, for anxiety. And so we had a woman calling in, and she's been on this type of a drug uh, for a long time. And uh, the pharmacist who who was here that day was saying, well, maybe um, it's great that you haven't had anything bad happen yet, but, but it could. Maybe you should just try something else because there are other medications. And she was very reluctant because this has been working for her and nothing bad had happened. So I, a, a lot of the times that people are, you know, they worry about going off things. Absolutely. They've, they've had a good experience up to that point. Um, you know, they don't see the need to come off. But the reality is that something could potentially happen, especially with benzos as you get older, right? Uh, and, and a key thing with benzos as well is you, you can't just stop them cold turkey, especially if you've been on them for years, right? That's why this kind of medical, medically supervised kind of de-prescribing is important. So your pharmacist or your physician will be involved and they'll taper you off because I bet you those same patients, they may have tried to come off once in a while and they start feeling really weird, right? And And they're like... You know, I'm going back on it. I see this all the time. And, and it really is about, especially with benzos, um, taking a collaborative approach and coming off those medications slowly. And and there's many, many medications like this. Uh, the PPIs, which people take for kind of PPIs, yeah, proton pump inhibitors. And people, many of our listeners will be on them, things like LOSEC. Uh, you know, they're and on them. What are for, they for? For uh, GERD, gastrointestinal reflux, acid reflux, that type of stuff. They get put on it and... And really, they probably only need to be on it for a month or two months. And they've been on it for years, right? And and uh, these medications can easily be stopped in, in many patients, not in everyone. But it's it's drugs like those that I find that they're really easy targets. That they'll improve the patient's quality of life once you get on them because they won't be taking as many medications. Get off them once they get off them. Uh, get off them, yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. And, and uh, uh, it, you know, the regimens get simpler, less chances of drug interactions, all these other things, right? They compound as your, uh, as your regimen gets more complex. Okay, let's go to the phones. We've got uh, Gary in Toronto. Hi, Gary. Oh, hi. How are you today? Fine. How are you? Good, thanks. I don't know if it applies, but my son just got accepted to pharmacy at U of T. Congratulations. Congrats. He'll see me there quite often. (laughs) Yeah, so, um, you know, he's actually, I don't know how he did it, but he has actually taught a class last night at U of T in um, how to get into pharmacy, which is pretty amazing. He didn't even get in yet. They give classes <laughs> in that now. I, Who knew? I didn't yeah. know that either. Yeah, the PCAT exam. What? Just wanted to hear from you if you think what the next, uh, what the upcoming things are in the next few years. Um, like, um, I guess what fields of pharmacy? Uh, obviously, there's lots, but what, what do you think was the upcoming thing in the next couple uh, of years? Yeah, great question. I'm actually um, a faculty at both U of T and the University of Waterloo at the Faculty of Pharmacy, so I have a lot of expo- exposure to what the students go through. So congratulations to your son. Uh, the, the, the scope of f- pharmacy practice is going to change dramatically in, in the next five years. We've already seen a lot of it. Pharmacists have gone from simply dispensing now to doing things like providing you know, flu shots in the pharmacies. We know that enhanced immunization is coming, hopefully things dealing with minor ailments. Uh, pharmacists are very, very accessible. As the burden on the healthcare system uh, continues to increase, we're gonna, they're going to look to pharmacy to kind of help uh, uh, resolve some of those issues. I'll tell you, there's a lot of exciting things in the pipeline. I'm doing a, a research study right now on pharmacogenomics. This is the future of pharmacy. Um, it really is the uh, uh, kind of the idea of personalized medicine. Now with a simple cheek swab, wherever we're able to do kind of a genomic analysis and determine tailoring which, the medication to your particular 
genetic makeup. Specifically well, to you. That, that is the future. I, am, I imagine your son, by the time he's out, is going to be uh, well-educated in this. And, uh, um, uh, you know, it's a great time to be a pharmacist. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you enter the profession. Yeah. I, I guess so parents out there, I know we were just talking about millennials and whether they're lazy, shiftless, <laughs> uh, <laughs> spoiled. So uh, and, and uh, about how difficult it is for them to get especially good jobs. So uh, I guess the message is, if you become a pharmacist, you'll have a good job. It's a good job, yeah. It's a great career, and it goes beyond just the community pharmacy, right? Pharmacists work everywhere now. They work in industry and in governments. They're all over the place, and and the demand for medication experts is just growing. So it's, I think, a great career choice for him. Uh, just is it standardized for all of Canada, or is it Ontario different than the rest? Of uh, you know what? The, uh, we're we're moving towards more standardization. Unfortunately, the scope of practice varies between province. So if you look at a province like Alberta, for example, there the pharmacists have full prescribing authority, so they're able to do much more than the pharmacists would be in Ontario, for example. Hopefully, in the next few years, we'll see that all kind of level out. Thank you very much for that. No problem. Okay, thanks for your call. Thank you. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. I'm here with our trusted contributor, John Papasturgio from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Uh, we're talking about de-prescribing. We're talking about trying to get you off some of your drugs, which will probably give you a better quality of life. Uh, but he'll take all of your questions. He just took a question from a proud father whose son just got into pharmacy. Uh, we are actually going to take a quick break right now. I'll give you the numbers once again before we go to break. 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740, and we'll be back after this. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. I am here with John Papasturgio, our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. We're talking about de-prescribing, which is a relatively new idea, and medication reviews. We're going to go right to the phones. We've got Robert in North York. Hello, Robert. Hi, I wanted to ask the doctor. You had mentioned that as you get older and you're on a benzo, I mean, there's long-term side effects, obviously, if you say you go on them when you're 20 and now you're in your 50s. But as you get past, say, age 55, what are the really negatives about staying on a benzo past that age? There's a couple of negatives. It's actually a great question. Uh, uh, one of the things I think of, as you've been on a benzo for longer, I find what tends to happen is the dose you were on for the you know a period of time tends not to stop working, so people will start escalating the doses, right? As you escalate the dose, then you put yourself at risk for things like falls, dizziness, confusion, hangover effects that could happen, you know, a sleepiness during the days, uh, you know, things like that. The other aspect is, uh, as you get older, you don't clear the medications the way you used to. So um, uh, y y these medications could accumulate in the older patient, and, and it, then it predisposes them to those adverse effects even more. I mean, there are alternatives to benzos, and in certain situations, you may still need to be on one, but um, I try to, you know, uh, work with my patients, work with their family physicians, and if I've seen they've been on them, on them for a long, long time, maybe they're not getting the effect they used to get out of them, we try to switch them to something else, and and that tends to work. Uh, and uh, would a patient uh, uh, come in and tell you this stuff isn't working the way it used to? 
All the time. Yeah, that's what I hear all the time. They'll, they'll come in and say, it's, you know, I'm not sleeping as well as I used to. It's not working or my anxiety is starting to flare up. Generally, w- w- when we're talking about benzos for sleep, I tell patients you shouldn't need to use them more than twice a week, right? When you start getting into the everyday, you have, you know, you have a more, I think, concerning underlying problem that we should try to address as opposed to just like loading them up with the, uh, the benzos. For anxiety, it might be a little bit of a different story and patients may need them for longer periods of time if they, they feel anxious. They'll, they'll take one to help with their symptoms. But that's very different. So those are the discussions we'll have with the patient and try to determine what's kind of the best course, right? What do you think of 0.05 once a day long-term? So that's a very, very low dose. I'm not sure why you'd be taking it once a day in the morning. Like, uh, do you take it at night before bed or in the morning? Morning. Morning, yeah. So is it is it for anxiety primarily? There's panic attacks back 20 years ago. Yeah, see, this is this is the exact patient I would think, do we need to keep taking that, right? Have you experienced any panic attacks recently? No, not even been, ever since I've been on them, I've been okay. But, yeah, no, but you're, you're what I consider the perfect candidate for this. So what we would probably talk about is let's try to wean you off that, you know, daily dose. Uh, maybe start with once every other day for a couple of weeks and then go once a week and then get you off it. And then if you have a panic attack, you could use it when you need it, right? These medications work very, very quickly. You don't need to take them every single day, right? So if you have your symptoms, you pop one, they'll help. And then there are great medications now for anxiety and panic that aren't benzos that we could we could prescribe if, if necessary. So speak to your pharmacist, uh, speak to your family doc. Uh, this is one of those scenarios I would talk about possibly deprescribing. Uh, Robert, are you open to that? Does that worry you, the idea of going off them? I uh, cold turkey it 20 years ago and almost died. No, yeah, absolutely no cold turkey, right? We're going to take her off slowly. Yeah, yeah, that's and this is what happens. Patients will try the cold turkey and they'll say, "No, this is crazy. I got to go back on on the medication." So work with your pharmacist. We'll get you off it on a on a uh, appropriate regimen. What are the drugs that you would replace it with now? Well, if you're still having anxiety, there's great, great SSRIs, right? Ciprolex. Uh, there's tons of them now, right? And they're, they're non-benzos. So those are the, the medications we would think of, uh, you know, for anxiety, panic, things like Effexor, Pristique. There's a ton of them, right? And, uh, you know, have that discussion with your pharmacist and your family doc. We'll get you on a regimen that's more appropriate. I can tell you that benzos are deadly. Uh, they, and they can be at high doses. They are deadly. Yeah. Okay. Robert, um, good luck to you. Thanks for calling. Bye. Bye-bye. We've got uh, Bob in Woodstock. Hi, Bob. Hi. Yeah. How are you? Hi, Fine. Bob. I'm good. Uh, yeah, I have a, a question. I've just recently been, I'm 65 years old. I've just recently been put on a low-dose uh, nuvostatin or something for uh, cholesterol management. Yep. Uh, I asked my doctor. If I change my lifestyle, my diet, and all that, then I can get off of that, right? And she said, no, generally when we prescribe that, we, uh, it's a lifelong thing, and in fact, you'll probably have to increase the dose. So is this true, and is there any yeah. alternative to the medication, like true diet and lifestyle change. Listen, I, I understand what your physician's probably saying. There's always a genetic uh, component to dyslipidemia or, or high cholesterol, right? The reality is if you were to dramatically change your diet, uh, start to exercise, there's a possibility we could get you off that medication, right? Oh, the, the blood work would tell us that. 
the reality is as you get older, uh, we're a little bit more predisposed to higher cholesterol levels and it's harder to do. And that's why your physician is saying that. But I've definitely seen cases where, uh, you know, patients that had a really bad lifestyle, they were smoking, they weren't watching their diet, not exercising at all. They were on uh, uh, these statins that we've been able to get off with good exercise, right, um, and, and diet. Uh, but it's hard to do as you get older. So it's something you may want to consider. There's, there's no uh, reason why you can't do both right now. And as your levels improve, maybe we could try taper, tapering you off that statin. But don't do it unless you, until you hit target and, and you've made a dramatic lifestyle modification. And uh, like I asked also about side effects to those medications. Yeah, most and uh, she said there was in uh, rare cases muscle tissue breakdown. Yeah, so the two most uh, concerning potential side effects are the myopathy or the muscle uh, tissue breakdown she referred. They do a blood yeah. test for that. They'll do it at 30 days and, and continue to follow it. It's called the CK. If that's clear, you're not experiencing that. The other thing is a potential liver toxicity in some patients. They check for that as well. So your doctor will do uh, blood work. If they see your liver enzymes are creeping up, they'll take you off the drug or switch it. But that's something that's routinely watched for. If you I feel see. any muscle pain, uh, uh, make sure you let your pharmacist or your doctor know. And we were talking about genomics earlier. Uh, the genomic right. tests now help us predict which patients this will happen in. And we've had some patients in our study that uh, we've switched as a result of that. But no, definitely talk to your pharmacist about this issue. Oh, okay. Thanks a Thank lot, you. Bob. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, Robert in Toronto. Hi, Robert. Hi. How are you? Very good. And yourself? Very well. What's your question? Um, I just turned 50 there in April. Healthy, healthy male. Um, you know, uh, uh, don't take any drugs at this time. But anyways, uh, I just work in shift work and work in three jobs now. And um, wow. I have trouble sleeping at the best of times. So I was just wondering if uh, taking a sleeping pill, if I need it, might be an option. See, you're, you're the type of patient that I think of, yeah, you're probably a good candidate for a sleeping pill. You work shift work. It's tough for your body to constantly, uh, you know, uh, react to the different hours that you're working. Um, right. I think it would be very appropriate for you to use a low-dose uh, sleeping pill if, if your doctor prescribed it. My advice right. to you, again, would be don't use it daily, right? You only use it when you really need it. And as a general new rule, no more than two to three times a week, right? If you find right. you're needing it more than that, you know, uh, uh, we'll, we'll talk about some other options. But uh, um, you're, you're really, you are, a, you know, shift, patient, uh, patients that work shift work, it's really hard, right? Because your body has challenges adapting. Uh, yeah. What about, can, can you use melatonin? That's, I was, I was just thinking that too. That might be another good first step, right? Um, I've had a lot of success with uh, my patients uh, trying uh, uh, one of the homeopathic herbal products. Melatonin is a great OTC option. doesn't work yeah. in everyone, but no. that's okay to take every evening, right? And it just kind of helps regulate your sleep-wake cycle. Um, okay. It may be something you want to try before going to the... Uh, yeah, you know, it's totally people. over. I, I use it when I travel. Me too, actually. But yeah. I am, I hate to... I'm a champion sleeper, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I, I did try melatonin. It didn't seem to help me any. Yeah, and it doesn't um, help. It doesn't help everyone. Uh, yeah, you know what? You're a, you're a perfect candidate for a low-dose sleeping pill. Talk to your uh, doctor about it. But uh, just uh, remember, don't use it every day, no more than two or three times a week. No. Do you have one uh, particular uh, name brand that uh, would there, be, uh, you know what? I, I, Lotus Ativan seems to work. Uh, Lorazepam's the generic name. Imavane as well. Like I mean, as long as you stick to the low doses, right? You yeah. won't need, yeah. especially if you've never taken it. You'll be surprised. It's gonna, 
it's going to really uh, help you sleep the first few times. Definitely. Yeah, I'm looking for a good night's sleep. It's been a long time. Okay, that, we hope you it. get one, <laughs> yeah, Robert. Good luck with that. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, thank you so much. No Bye-bye. Problem. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Linda in Midhurst. Hi, Linda. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Uh, uh, not too bad. Uh, my question is, I, I suffer with trigeminal neuralgia, and I take carbamazepine. Yeah. And right now I'm on remission, and my dosage right now I'm sitting at 200 milligrams in the morning and 200 milligrams at night. Okay. And I'm wondering if that's a good dosage to be on for basically the rest of my life when I'm not having any symptoms right now? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's definitely a normal dose. We're within the therapeutic range for that medication. Mm-hmm. How long have you been symptom-free for? Um, only a couple of months. Okay, so it's relatively new. So this is one of those scenarios that, you know, as you go beyond a year uh, and you're symptom-free, you don't have any attacks or anything like that. Right. This is one of those scenarios where you might, might want to speak to your physician or your neurologist uh, and your pharmacist about possibly slowly uh, tapering down the dose, right? Okay. We know with carbamazepine, as you get older, that could accumulate as well. So you may not necessarily need the dose you're on now. Uh, it may not be the same dose you need in 10 years from now or even five years from now. Yeah, right? I know when my attacks have been very bad, I've been up as high as 1,200 milligrams. That's right, yeah. So it, it's one of, carbamazepine is one of those drugs. We really do titrate the dose both ways, up and down. So mm-hmm. uh, see how long you go symptom-free. If it goes beyond a year, I would absolutely think about possibly deprescribing that. And that by that, I mean maybe just reducing the dose. It doesn't mean you're going to come off it completely. But yeah. dose reduction is just as important in many cases. Yes, because they said um, to have some in my system because uh, it takes a couple of weeks to take effect when I start to have an attack again. Absolutely, yeah. If you were to cut it right out, then you have an attack. It's going to take a while to taper up. That's one of the challenges if you stop it right. completely. Yeah. So you've, you've figured then that the 400 milligrams in a day isn't too bad. Oh, no, no. That's a normal dose. Yeah, on the low okay. side for sure. So you're you're almost uh, there. But uh, let's see what happens after a year and maybe you'll reassess. Okay. okay. Thanks, Thanks for your call. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Ida in Mississauga. Hi. Hi. How are you? Fine. Good. Um, I want to sing praises to pharmacists. I always <laughs> like that. I have, um, I have a wonderful pharmacist. And I had broken my wrist, and trust me, your whole studio <laughs> and all your listeners know about that. But I had gone in the other day for uh, some scripts that I had ordered, and the pharmacist asked me, uh, how's your arm? And he noticed that it seemed to be, the bone seemed to be a little uh, bulged, and I'm not sure if it's um, a swollen or whatever. I'm going for physio soon. But I just like the fact that he, you know, took the time and trouble to notice it. And um, I just want to say good for him. Yeah, you know what? Uh, That's why we're there. We're very accessible. Year-over-year pharmacists uh, come out as the most trusted healthcare provider. And I think it's because we get to know our patients. They're in our Uh pharmacies all the time. And kudos to your pharmacist there. He seems like he's doing a great job. But I find in general, most pharmacists, that's why they got into the profession, really, to help people uh, manage their their overall health. So good for him. And uh, Well, you know what? This is a first for me. 
I have to I have to say that that I remember the the first time I saw that particular survey I went in and told my pharmacist and he sort of said Oh yeah, I know that. We're always at the top, and uh, people in my profession, I'm afraid, journalists—they were, we're we were pretty well at the bottom. With the <laughs> Ida, CEOs, yeah. thanks for your call. No, so they're no, they're great. Okay, yeah. thanks well, for that too. <laughs> okay, thanks a lot. Thanks, You're welcome. Bye bye, Kathy in Cambridge. Yes, I, I was wondering, hi, Libby. Hi. If your guests could tell me the difference between Lipitor and Crestor, the two statins. So you know what? There are, there are a few differences. Uh, the reality is they all belong to the same class, right? Uh, they work very much the same way. Generally, I find it's physician's preference uh, which one they, they decide to start you on. If you look at the, the studies, there is a little bit of difference in efficacy, you know, how they work in terms of lowering your lipids. But overall, I don't really differentiate between the two of them unless a patient's had a challenge on one of the medications, then we think of switching them to another. Uh, uh, in terms of tolerability or, or, or whatnot. The reality is there's more than just the two, actually. There's many uh, statins, Pravastatin, Lovastatin. There's a ton of them in the field. I think uh, Torvastatin and Crestor are the two most common now. Uh, they work uh, quite well. Uh, they have a lot of outcome data to suggest that they, uh, you know, they, they improve uh, patient uh, outcomes in the long term. So, um, you know, yeah, unless you're having a problem with one, I wouldn't consider switching to another. And side effects are the same. Exa- yeah, it seems direct class. The side effects seem to be a class effect. The most common things you see is stomach upset at the beginning, and then in the more severe cases, you worry about what I spoke about the liver potential liver toxicity or or the myopathy, the muscle issues. But we monitor very very closely for those. But in terms of side effects, they they're they're pretty similar. Okay, Kathy, thanks okay, for thanks. your call. Thanks we're, a lot. Okay, we're going to try to get one more in here. We've got Roxana in Toronto. Hi, Roxana. Hi, how are you? Uh, I have a question about uh, fluvoxamine. It's an antidepressant which I've been taking for a very long time. And I'm wondering, would that affect uh, other things? What, What were you taking it for? Uh, sort of like an antidepressant. So depre- yeah, because it's used most commonly for depression, sometimes for anxiety. Um, have your symptoms been well managed? When you say a long time, has it been like 10 years, 5 years? Oh, more than 10 years. More than 10 years. So yeah. there is, a, you know, some evidence to suggest if you've been symptom-free, you're managing your depression well. Sometimes it just takes, uh, you know, your neurotransmitters being reset. This may be an option for you to consider deprescribing. Talk to your physician about it. It may be one of those things where we could start reducing the dose and potentially getting you off it. See how you do. Um, there's no... It's not necessary that you're on this drug for the rest of your life, right? If your symptoms come back, we could reintroduce it. But uh, if you've been symptom-free for a while, uh, maybe that's something you could discuss with your doctor and your pharmacist. I see. But there are some long-term effects of it? Uh, long-term effects, uh, per se, no. Like, I mean, I don't really think you're at risk for any severe side effects after you've been on it for so long and you've tolerated it. Uh, I'm more worried about stopping a cold turkey. You're going to have to reduce it slowly, and that's going to be important because of potential uh, withdrawal effects on that one. I see. Because I do suffer from GERD and a lot of body pain. Oh. Yeah, no, just be careful when you, you, you uh, taper it down, but it shouldn't affect uh, those other issues at all. I see. Uh, okay. Thank you very much. Okay. You? Thank you for yeah. your call, Roxana. And uh, we are out of time, just about out of time. Uh, thank you to John Papasturgio, our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. As always, very helpful answering our listeners' calls and questions. 
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.